Hello, everybody, and welcome back to East Coast Haunts. I'm MK. And I'm Sam. And today, we're going to be bringing you kind of a Christmassy haunt. It's like kind of Christmassy to get you in the to get you in the holiday spirit. Sam, what? you want to tell them where we're going today? Yes, I would love to. We are going to the historic Bethlehem Hotel in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Um, and I was going to say, I think you're saying it's Christmassy because A, the name, because like Bethlehem, right? Where Jesus was yes. born. But also, <laughs> I think it's definitely a popular destination in the wintertime for those of us who live near or around Philadelphia. That is true. And I was actually just there this past weekend. So that's what gave me the idea for this haunt because I walked into the lobby and the security guard was telling this other group about their friendly ghosts that they have there. So I was kind of like listening in and I didn't want to be like, hey, I have a haunted podcast. Can you tell me more? But but you I did. will say, but no, I didn't. <laughs> I I should have. I probably should have. But um, I had my sights set on the Christmas bar. So, and I did get a drink <laughs> called the say, Ghost. All right, my follow up <laughs> question for you is: Was the Ghost a Christmas drink, or was it just a right like one of the drinks that they always have? I think it was like it part of their Christmas specials because it was quite the drink. Um, I couldn't finish it. I had to split it between a few of us, but it was um, vanilla vodka, Bailey's and Frangelico, which is, I believe a kind of hazelnut liqueur. And it was very rich, very decadent, but it was absolutely delicious. So that sounds really, really good. It's like one of those like dessert martinis. Exactly. And they also had um they we got a couple of their martinis between like the few of us that went. They had a pear martini, which was very, very yummy, yeah. and a tiramisu yeah. martini, which was also delicious. That sounds really good. I would want to try the tiramisu martini. It was very good. Very good. It's like an espresso martini, but with a little extra, a little extra like juice. That's cinnamon and yeah, no, it was, it was really good. And the entire bar was decorated like for Christmas. Um, and for what it's worth, the restaurant food also looked really good because there were people like eating behind us and it looked delicious. So if you're in the Bethlehem area, you need a place to stay, you need a place to eat, want to grab a quick drink. Bethlehem Hotel, baby. And you might just see a ghost, too. So. Now, that's a pretty good advertisement. I have to say, it kind of makes me want to go. Um, I hope that I'm not going to be repeating too much of what you've already learned, because I know there's like almost like a mini museum, right, in the lobby. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So um, and it goes over the whole kind of like the history of the city itself and also the history of the hotel. So I, unless you have anything else to say, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a very brief overview of the history of the historic Bethlehem Hotel. Please do. I'm dying to learn about the history of this hotel. All right. So like we were saying, uh, 
the Bethlehem Hotel or Hotel Bethlehem. I've heard, I've heard both. Um, it's lo- located in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is about 90 minutes, I would say, outside of Philly, depending on traffic. But it could yeah, be less. That's, that's probably about right. So, you know, it's, I would say where I went to, co- like, where you and I went to college, like, in Philly, like, a lot of people were from the Bethlehem area. Um, yeah. It's kind of, like, sweet spot. So, super quick overview before I get into details. Um, the house. So, go back to 1741, right? Um, a house was built in Bethlehem on the site of what would become the hotel. And this house was built by the Morav- Mor- Moravian Brethren. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say. But that's a, pro- <laughs> that's a Protestant denomination of Christianity. Um, and they're famous for their good hospitality, apparently. That's just a fun fact. Um, <laughs> they um, so they built this house on what is now the historic Hotel Bethlehem. I just wanted to like quickly mention that it's funny that you said that like it was built on like by the Moravians because I think Moravian College is right there. So obviously there's some kind of correlation, but Oh, you're right. Yeah. Well, they were apparently they were here for a while because they um sort of like they were trying to convert everyone in the area to I guess their sect hmm. of Protestantism. So I, it's, it's like they kind of set up shop there. So I'm not surprised that there is a college there. Interesting. So interesting. Um, about 50 years after it was originally um, built, you know, a- or after that house was a- originally built, um, the Eagle Hotel, I believe it was actually called the Golden Eagle Hotel, but we'll get into that later. Um, that was built on the site as well. And this is the spot where the historic Hotel Bethlehem would eventually be built. But right now, we're still in the 1700s, early 1800s. So I just wanted to give you an overview of like who built it, how the area got developed. So the house is built by the Moravian Brethren um, about 50 years later uh, in the same that same little area where that first house was built. Uh, a hotel called the Golden Eagle was built. And that Golden Eagle Hotel is in the exact same spot that the historic Hotel Bethlehem would eventually be built. And throughout the years, there have been so many celebrities to visit the historic Bethlehem Hotel. I, I don't even want to say celebrities because they're more like important world, like world-renowned figures, like pe- some people that right. everyone would know. So like, for example, Amelia Earhart, Winston Churchill. Whoa. Um, the 14th Dalai Lama, Mark Twain. Um, yeah. And also JFK. Oh, so there have been so there have been so many people, like not even people that are just famous in American oh, history, no. but like world famous people. So which is really so, cool. That's so sick. In the uh like restaurant area, I believe, there is a like collage of pictures. It's like a hall of fame almost of like all the people, like notable figures that have visited. And I was trying to see if I could like recognize any of them, but I got to be honest, I did not see like JFK or Amelia Earhart or not that I recognized anyway, but those are some pretty famous people, I would say. And there actually are some more. They're probably like hidden in there because there are a handful more that I'm going to tell you about that 
you would definitely know what they looked like. So we'll get into that soon. But anyway, so I've given you like a very little preview. Now let's like dive into the details. Okay. So back in 1741, there were these Moravian missionaries. And like I said, they were a sect of Protestantism. Um, And they built the first house of Bethlehem. So they built the first, I don't want to say house because obviously Native Americans lived in the area before that, but the first, I guess, uh, European, you know what I mean? Like European style settlement. Yeah. So, um, 1741, the first house was built in Bethlehem. Um, it was a log cabin and this really kickstarted the development of the town and the missionaries, uh, were there obviously to spread the word of their Lord, Jesus Christ. Um, and they wanted to convert uh, the local non-denominational German farmers and also the Lenape natives to their religion. So that's why they went over to the Bethlehem area in the first place. So gotcha. over, the next 20, over the next 20 years, the missionaries constructed over 50 different buildings in the heart of Bethlehem. So it really just started with this one small house, but they built it up majorly over the next 20 years. And some of the houses were even set up as businesses. So there was like a, a nice building where people uh, did pottery. There was a building for like, that was like a tannery, um, a place where people would like die, D-Y-E, not die. Okay. Um, I was like, oh, hold on. It was kind of like its own like little like self-sustaining town. And Me. at the end of the 1700s, uh, like the very end of the 1700s, it was 1794, they turned that first house that we were talking about into a general store, um, which okay. they included on their website. I just thought was interesting. Um, and then the Golden Eagle Hotel that I was telling you about before, that was built in eight, uh, the 1820s. So Okay, cool. And it, it operated as a hotel for over 100 years, and nothing else of note regarding this hotel happened until 1921. So now we're fast forwarding about 100 years. It's 1921 and steel magnate Charles M. Schwab, who you may or may not have heard of. I think he's a pretty big, like a pretty well-known guy. He was super, super rich, very successful. And oh, he, yeah. yeah. So he uh, buys the hotel, the Golden Eagle Hotel. And he's like, okay, we're redoing this. Like, I mean, it was a very nice hotel before, but he's like, we're redoing this. He has this vision in his head of a Beau Arts architectural masterpiece. Beau Arts, I looked it up and it's sort of like, it's very regal and grand. Um, there's lots of columns. So okay. it's like sort of like Greek-ish in that way, but it's very grand, very European. Almost like it gave me like Paris vibes. Um, Ooh. So I guess, so he's envisioning this, this sophisticated, fancy, beautiful hotel so he's like okay we're redoing this hotel he wanted to con- uh feature all the newest and fanciest um amenities he wanted to- there to be um like the architecture to be beautiful and for people to see it on the street and really be like wow like that's beautiful so he's got a million dollars in stock which i'm sure that's a lot more nowadays and he's yeah. also got Bethlehem corporation um and together with all that money and this corporation he starts construction so it was actually finished like fully renovated 
um, within a year, like by 1922, um, which is surprising, wow. right? So, which, which leads me to think, I think maybe like, I don't think they knocked down the whole thing and redid it. I think that it was more like a lot of cosmetic stuff. I could be wrong though. Yeah. But the impression they probably that I- used- they probably reuse like the bare bones, the foundation, and also just a side note for anyone who is wondering because I definitely was nine um one million dollars in nineteen twenty one is worth about seventeen point two million dollars today. Wow! So this was, was quite that was a grand project. Yeah. So he yeah he definitely put a lot of money into it, and in nineteen twenty two, then it debuted as the Hotel Bethlehem. And there, it was definitely a lot more impressive than any of the other hotels of the time. They had um, a barber shop, like specific to the hotel. There was a place that you could get your shoes shined, which I know was a big thing back then. Spiffy. There was a club room, which is essentially like a gym, like a fitness center. Oh, neat. And there was even a luxury goods shop that sold like cigars. I guess it would kind of be like a gift shop, but it was like very bougie, nice souvenirs. How fun. So, yeah. So super I'd like quick to do some damage in there. Oh, I could absolutely do. Like I've never, I don't plan on ever smoking a cigar, but like, you know, that got men were going in and buying hundreds of dollars worth of cigars. Like that was the vibe. Nah. Give me some fine goods, though. I get my Christmas shopping done for the next few years in there. (laughs) Yeah, especially with those, like, 1920s pricing where it was, like, one cent for, like, (laughs) Also, also, if you... I don't know if the microphone just picked up that literal shrieking sound, but that was my dog. (laughs) It's a banshee. We don't know. (laughs) That was the chupacabra, but that's for Patreons only. So... (laughs) Um, that's like the, that's kind of like the general idea. I didn't go into anything haunts wise and I didn't even look up anything haunts wise. So I have no idea what is about to happen with that. But before we go to that, I just want to let you know of a couple more famous people that stayed there. Okay. You tell me who they are. I think you do. Okay. And give me a pause after each one and I'll tell you. Okay. Henry Ford. (laughs) Obviously. Yes. Thomas Edison. The creator of the light bulb. Ding, ding, ding. Shirley Temple. Oh my god. Animal crackers in my soup. I was gonna say animal crackers in my soup. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that her most famous song? I'm sure. I guess it is. I think so. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> definitely her most famous. Or famous. Yeah. Okay. Another okay, this is a sharp turn from Shirley Temple, but Muhammad what? Ali, one of the greatest actors. Oh yeah, I saw his picture. I saw okay, his yeah, picture. I knew I was gonna say he would be one that I feel like everyone knows what he looks like. And and then oh, and I definitely one, also saw Shirley Temple. I saw her picture I as well. See? And then finally, my last one for you is Dwight D. Eisenhower. And there, there seemed to have been like a good oh, amount of like, a handful of presidents that stayed here. I'm sure it was a very popular with the presidential office. If it's such a grand hotel, which it's still absolutely stunning, even a, mm-hmm. over a hundred years later. So it's super interesting Can't to me say. that it's super interesting to me that there were this many 
like super, super high profile people that visited there because I feel like you would expect that of like a, a hotel in New York City or LA or something or like these big hotspots. But it's like two hours outside, yeah. like an hour, two hours outside of Philly. Like, I mean, Lanca- Lancaster, oh my gosh. Um, Bethlehem is a beautiful area, but it's like you wouldn't think that it would be where all these super, super famous, important people would be like just casually traveling. But it does seem like it, it's a huge place for for like big history figures, I guess. I don't know how better to say that, but I guess you have to do your rounds as president. So plus there's also a uh, casino right nearby. Not that I know anything about that, but um, I was going to say, <laughs> no, uh, that casino has gotten none of my money. Not this weekend anyway, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but maybe they were staying there for a nice little weekend getaway. Going to see That's a comedy act at the yeah, at the doing wing. it like really Temple had like a residency there. I mean, probably. Oh not, my god! Like, I don't know if she had residencies, but like, <laughs> she definitely probably performed there, and yeah, I'm sure exactly. Muhammad Ali was there for a fight. So it's Bethlehem is not like in Do the middle of nowhere either. Casinos? Like it's, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> right? I have absolutely no idea. They have a stage. Maybe they, when they do shows on stages, like WWE, you know how it's like staged and everything? Okay, well, now we have to look this up. Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali fight in Bethlehem. There it is. Hold on. It just popped up. No way. I swear. It was, if I typed in like BET, it was the first thing that popped up. Um, the famous fight in Schuylkill County. Okay. Oh. Um, it looks like, yeah, it looks like he had a couple of, oh, he had a training camp in Deer Lake, Deer Lake, Pennsylvania. Okay. So I guess this is, so maybe I wonder he if would that's on the weekends, make appearances and whatnot. I guess so. Interesting. So, yeah, that's that's what it looks like. So he was probably there for a fight. Good for him. I know. Honestly, it kind of well, makes like it a butterfly. All the sting like a bee. Stay at the historic go. Bethlehem Hotel. <laughs> um, listen, not too shabby living quarters. So, oh people yeah, find I know. I was looking at pictures and I was like, this is so nice. I can see why all these famous people stay here. Let me tell you a little bit about the friendly ghosts that also reside Ooh. in the Bethlehem Hotel. Okay, good. They're friendly. Our first ghost that I'm going to talk about is actually really funny because she has a connection to something that I've been wanting to cover since we first started this podcast. So Ooh. maybe this is a sign that we should cover this soon. I'm very excited let me hear about it. this Okay, so our first friendly ghost is May Yohe. I think I'm saying that correctly. It's Y-O-H-E, also known as Lady Frances Hope. She was actually born in the Eagle Hotel in April of 1866, and the Eagle Hotel was operated and owned by her grandfather, Caleb Yohe. She was born at the hotel? 
Yes. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. So she like grew up in and around the hotel. She would perform songs and dances in the lobby to like any guest who would like stop and listen. And she was said to be so talented that the patrons who frequented the lobby like a lot and saw her doing her little song and dance would collect money and they eventually sent her to Paris for formal operatic training. Is that pretty so cool? Sweet. That's so pure. Oh, I know. Isn't it? It makes me think of like the days that you and I would like choreograph and like stage the little cousin productions at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we definitely, none of us were ever sent to Paris for operatic training, but you went on to major in theater in college. So it's like kind of the same thing. It it is kind of the same thing. It's so funny when you said that about like that, about her performing in the lobby. I was like, that is absolutely something we would do. Like that is absolutely (laughs) like when we would go on the cruise, we would go on cruise. We went on a cruise once when we were younger and we, uh, we're on the balcony and we were like it was like so late at night and we were like singing and we're like if anyone can hear us like I'm sorry if we're annoying you but we just wanted to practice and we like thought we were going to be this <laughs> ew <laughs> but anyway so she okay so she wow so she went to Paris with funds from <laughs> the regulars from the regs And she returns to the States and for the entirety of 1888, she made headlines in the news, like kept up a residency in those newspapers for both her shows and her performances on stage and also her promiscuity. (gasps) So she had like a little bit of like negative press, positive press, but you know what they say, there's no such thing as bad press. So she was, she, she made quite a name for herself. Go, girl. And a big enough name that she was invited in 1890 to perform for Prince Edward, who was the son of Queen Victoria in England. Wow. Okay, so she was a pretty big deal. Yeah, quite the audience she, she had for herself. And it was during this performance, or I guess afterwards, that she met Lord Francis Hope, who she later married. If you oh, could have tell from the name. Lady. And as part of like a betrothal or a wedding gift, her husband gifted her the Hope Diamond, which is what I wanted to talk about on this podcast. Whoa. So for those of you who don't know, the Hope Diamond is, I believe, the largest diamond in the world. Um, but unfortunately for everyone who's owned it, people believe that it is, um, like it has a curse that follows it. So anyone who puts it on and even like delivery people that have touched it either are like unlucky in love, unlucky in life. They, uh, meet like a tragic death, but it's like this beautiful, um, like blue diamond and it's on display currently at the Smithsonian museum. Okay. But I'm it's, looking at it right. It's 45.52 carats. Bruh. That's yeah. The, the, the small diamonds around it are like the size of like a regular rings, like main stone. 
isn't that wild? Okay, I think I was incorrect about it being the largest diamond in the world, but oh, it I is the I most famous. Name. It's. I was going to say it's so famous. It's really pretty. I feel like it's one of those things that, like, if I saw it, like, just, I don't know, at a thrift shop or something, and, like, I thought it was fake, I would be like, okay. But, if but like, if I knew it was, like, a real diamond, I'd be like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Isn't it? Yeah. It's, I mean, it looks fake. It's, like, this beautiful yeah, blue, huge. like, deep blue diamond. It's, I, I saw it once in person, and I, like, had a brief fascination with it. Oh, uh, we saw it in person? Yeah, I've been to the Smithsonian. Oh, that's awesome. And I saw it uh yeah, on on display once. But it is really quite the spectacle and I would love to do a an episode on like the history and like the curse of the Hope Diamond because yeah, it's really it, it's really neat. Maybe we'll do that next. I feel like that's a, that's really interesting. That's a fun follow-up episode. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard of it before, but I just, I guess I never really, really delved into it. Also, you were right. It's the largest blue diamond to ever exist. Okay. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Okay, cool. So not fully wrong, but... Most so, May Yohi, or now May Francis Hope, was gifted this Hope diamond... And she later left her husband for an American soldier. So some people were saying like, oh, maybe that's his like portion of the curse of the Hope Diamond. Like obviously she left him, like probably cheated on him. Not a good, not a good time. But then she (laughs) divorced this American soldier later on because he was stealing her jewelry. Oh, so. Karma. (laughs) Ironic, isn't it? Yeah, so, so she, she was also unlucky in love. Exactly. So you took the words right out of my mouth. She continued to be unlucky in love and in unlucky in life. Whether or not that's Aww. the curse being enacted, we don't know. But so after showbiz baby, <laughs> in the afterlife, she has returned to the place where she first discovered her love of theatrics. So she can be seen in the lobby and the third floor exercise room and guests claim to hear her singing and playing the piano by herself or by itself. Like the piano plays itself. So they think it's her. Creepy, spooky. Wait, also the fact that she's in the the gym is hilarious. Like the exercise room is hilarious. She's getting those gains. She's working on that, (laughs) working on that ghostly figure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our next... (laughs) Our next, um, our next ghost has a fun nickname. He's his name is Francis Thomas, but okay. he's known as those in the hotel that know him as Daddy. So there's oh. a Daddy ghost. Go on. <laughs> no, keep going. I knew you were gonna have something to say. Okay, Daddy was born in Wurttemberg, Germany in 1732, and he came to the quote-unquote colonies when he was just six years old. So, you can imagine that was quite a perilous journey. But when he arrived in the colonies, he wasted no time in looking for a source of income for the family to contribute. So he was employed as a courier. I don't know if he was six years old, but like, really, it was 
he was a young boy. Okay. <laughs> he was the man of the house. He had to help. Yeah, I was picturing him as like a um, stockbroker or something. No, in a little suit and tie. <laughs> no, he was a news courier. And oh. he had several near brushes with death. Or several brushes. Oh. Several close encounters with death. Uh, they, It should be like noted that both of them were almost caused by a horse. So like probably don't give a six-year-old the reins to a horse. But like, yeah, that's just me. Probably. I don't know. Probably, though. I don't know. Again, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of information about him, so I don't know if he was six years old, but he, he was, was young. Old. He was a young boy. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're keep, right. Yeah, that makes but, me keep horse reins away from anyone who doesn't know how to handle horses. That's a good rule of thumb. Agreed. I kind of, yeah, I would agree with that. Controversial parenting take. Um, <laughs> but but he one time was thrown from a horse and broke his neck and was <gasps> assumed to be dead. So they carried oh, wow. him home and then he like woke up like nothing happened, <gasps> which is pretty crazy if you think about it. Can you, thank God you just I had to bury him alive. I know. That's like my greatest fear. And I guess we don't really have to worry about that like nowadays as much. But like, could you imagine? Ugh. I don't want I don't want to imagine that's so okay, fair. And this <laughs> next brush with death is also one of my like niche fears. He was riding across a frozen lake on a horse. Again, not a good what? idea. He was on a horse on a frozen lake? Yes. <laughs> and he fell through the ice. Natural selection at that point, I think. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? So... He did shockingly get this reputation for being like a young and reckless lad who uh, like died? really had no regard for him. I have no idea. I feel like the horse probably drowned. Like a probably. Oh my god, that makes me so Unfortunately, that's hard. I know. Continue. So again, like, don't let your six-year-old ride a horse on his own, especially on a frozen lake. We're not talking like, yeah, we're not talking pony rides. We're talking like. Common sense. <laughs> but, but he found a woman who loved him in spite of his stupidity. Aww. And he married Anna Grafe in 1762. And unfortunately, even though they were married for 53 years, they couldn't have any children of their own. Aww. So they adopted three children who were sent over by the Moravian Missionary Services. Oh. And these children went on to attend the Bethlehem Seminary. So he was loved. He was well-known. Yeah, he was well-known and loved. And he actually became like a sort of tour guide to foreign guests who wandered into Bethlehem. Oh, that's Which so was cute. really I know. And he died on April 4th, 1822. So he lived a long and happy life and he is said to still wander the boiler room at the hotel bethlehem so we don't know sound like the room but it that's interesting because the other um a few weeks ago when i was in cape may when i was on at that trolley ghost tour they were saying that a lot that 
ghosts tend to hang out in the boiler room. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. Yeah, that is weird. It was in like a big group, so I was embarrassed. I was like, I'm not going to delve into this right now, but we'll have to look it up. Excuse (laughs) me. Why the boiler room? Um, Okay, so, so far, okay, yeah, so these two ghosts actually do sound quite friendly so far. They both had, I mean, obviously, you know, the first one with the Hope Diamond curse, like, but she had a pretty great life otherwise. Yeah, I mean, and even this last, this last ghost that I'm going to cover, she's funny, uh, but, like, she's, she means no harm either. So if you want, like, a pretty benevolent haunted place to visit, I would recommend going and staying at the Bethlehem Hotel. I do have to say, I, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think this might be like the least scary haunt we've done. Like it's there. They seem so like, I would be fine. Like running into any of them excited even. Yeah, no, me too. There's like one little creepy thing that happens, but I'm going to save that. Creepy. I'll I'll go over it in a little bit. Um, so the, our last ghost that has been identified is a Mrs. Brong, and she was a former landlord. And I do just want to say, like, any I don't know if any of our listeners listen, like, watch Friends, but for whatever reason, like, when I was writing this down, I was I all I could think about was like the Mrs. Chenandler Bong in that one episode of Friends. I do you recall. know what I'm talking about? I do. Yes, I do vaguely recall. <laughs> Anyway, so her name is Mrs. Brong, B-R-O-N-G, and I know I'm like, I definitely sound super nasally, and I kind of meant to address it in the beginning of the episode, but I'm just getting over a cold. I sound nasally to myself, so (laughs) my apologies, but Mrs. Brong comes into play in 1833 when the Moravian Church came into possession of the hotel and terminated the current landlords only after six months of employment. So not a good stint for Mrs. and Mr. Brong. But it's like, I'd be so pissed. I know I would be too, but like low key, uh, I don't know if it was for good reason. I'll let you decide. So Mr. Brong had a little bit of a drinking problem Whereas he would go and have a drink with every single guest that entered the hotel and would become like so inebriated by the end of the night that the bartender would have to like sit him on a bench outside of the lobby. So that's kind of not a. This was 1833. Okay. I feel like that was like par for the course back then. Probably, yeah, probably, but also that's, like, not a good face of your hotel, especially if you're a church. Yeah, so no, that's I would... really bad. I'm not surprised he got the boot. But, I know, but it is kind of sad. The reason that I'm gonna leave it up to you, if this was a good or not reason, to terminate Mrs. Brong as well, Mrs. Brong would cause quite a shock to guests whenever they would enter the hotel because she was not fond of wearing shoes or socks, which was definitely not par for the course for that time. So she would just be walking around the lobby barefoot. and She was like a perfectly hospitable host, but she liked to have the dogs out. Yeah, she, she had the dogs out? Yes. In a professional setting? 
Yes. She the was dogs, kind of the original. They were barking, you know. They were, she was like the original like granola girl. Yes. That's even okay. more of a quick. Sh- Sorry, yes, go quick. ahead. No, 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 you go. Quick short tangent. I was going to say I had a fourth grade teacher back in the day and she would always take her shoes and socks off in like the classroom and like pace back and forth in front of the class. And everyone was like, why are like, why are you doing that? We were like in fourth grade and we were like, what's the, like, why? But I don't like, I don't like to judge people, but it is kind of weird to do that in a professional setting. Like if if someone came over to me at my desk at work and I was like raw dogging the ground with my bare feet. I would be concerned. Like, yeah, yeah, do what you want in the comfort of your own home and stuff. But like when you're in a professional, or like, yeah, when you're like, for me, like if I was a teacher specifically, like, you know, there are so many germs on the ground. Like why add to it by having your your feet (laughs) And, like, kids are going to be, like, crawling on the ground. Like, why are you putting your feet there? That's, like, I don't know. very... But I very do have... Continue. I have nothing else to add. I honestly have nothing to add. Like, that's kind of gross. I'm... Like, but, but also, like, I get it. Like, I know that, like, I'm not, like, I'm not really judging. But, like, the fact that it was, like, in the classroom. Like, if, if my child went to that school, I'd be like, okay, like, what is going on? Why? Yeah, why? <laughs> um... I also, just my last thing that I have to say on the subject is that I love the one thing that I really like that has come out of, like, TikTok and, like, Gen Z and, like, recent, uh, like, vernacular <laughs> is being able to use the term raw dogging as, like, a verb for, like, barefooting the grass, like, you, or, like, the floor. <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't know about it until like very, very, very recently when my little sister started using it. And I was like, <laughs> I also learned about it from my little sister. Yeah, I was like, did you just say what I think you said? And she's like, no, it's not what you think it means. And I was like, why would you? Because she's like, use it in front of my parents. I was like, this is not. <laughs> but I don't think she knew. The issue is I don't think she knew what the original phrase meant. I also did not know what that phrase meant until I, like, I I think I, like, had Urban dictionary it, and then, like, I heard my little sister use that term, and I was like, what? You're like, Why are we you saying something? I know. Like, I mean, yeah, although it, so I do have to say it's kind of it's kind of good. Oh, it's hilarious. I love... I did go through, I, I've since left that phase, but I did go through a phase where I, I used it quite a bit. <laughs> but, so gross. <laughs> it's kind of gross. But it's kind of funny. So, anyway. Mrs. Um, Mrs. Binge. What was it? Brawl. Brawl. Miss Brawl. With raw dog in it. <laughs> so guests and employees of the hotel uh, report seeing a barefoot lady in 19th century clothes that clothing raw dogging the kitchen floor and the uh the restaurant floor so <laughs> Not the re- you know she's back there cooking with her feet like flipping the eggs she's- with her feet <laughs> you enter the hotel she just like waves at you with her feet she's like hello <laughs> it's also like the, the bare feet 
the bare feet like contrasted with like the 19th century garb is also really funny oh my god guys you can't see but Mary Kate just showed her raw dogs as the kids would say like that is so funny she's so she was definitely like a she was definitely just like a granola girl a hippie girl she would have been on Feet Finder if she was in today's day and age. She'd be making, she wouldn't Rip. have to work at that hotel because she'd be making millions on Feet Finder. Rip Mrs. Brong, you would have loved Feet Finder. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, now, <laughs> we have like a couple of like unidentified ghosts. Ooh. We have a couple of unidentified ghosts, but they do seem to congregate in room 932. Okay. And this is known among like regulars at the hotel as the room with a boo. Get it? Because it's like the I room like with a view. That's very And so this is their most requested room. And guests who stay in this room are report that they are awoken in the middle of the night by a man at the foot of the bed. And oh. He shakes them awake and says, why are you in my room? And then when they get up and they turn the lights on, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah, that's really scary. I, that's freaky. Even if, like, I went into it knowing, like, okay, like, this is why I booked the room. Like, hopefully this guy shows up. I think I would be so dazed and confused after, like, just waking up that I would think it was a real person. I agree. That's um, spooky. That's- I know it, it. I don't like being woken up. Yeah, by especially by a man you don't know. That would scare me. Yeah. Uh, guests also report that there are mysterious reflections in the mirror. That when they turn around, no one's there. Uh, okay. Papers stand upright on the desk, which is crazy oh. because that doesn't happen. Like there, like there's really. Yeah, very little, uh, like, scientific explanation, I would say, for that. The lamps flash. I know, it is kind of fun. Uh, The bathroom wallpaper sometimes changes color. So I believe (gasps) they said that it's, it's like, usually, like, a goldish color. And some people report it changing to, like, a very mottled pink. Okay. Uh, And then also people report tons of orbs in the pictures which typical love love good orb love good orb and oh there's more well just one last little thing so if you have something to say speak now no in 2007 the hotel invited a paranormal investigator to stay in room 932 and he recorded several EVPs, which, if you need a refresher, is an electronic voice phenomenon. Uh, and they caught this voice on camera saying, quote, it's Mary. Beautiful bathroom. Locked in the closet. And Ooh. look out the window. Isn't that creepy? Ooh. Only one of those phrases is slightly ominous. That look in the closet one. Locked in the closet. Oh yeah, locked in the closet. That'd be freaky. I'd be freaked out by that for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So it kind of sounds as if most of these things that happen in room 932 aren't nefarious. 
but it does sound like there's a lot of no, activity. No. Yeah, I mean, for a place with so much history, you're bound to have a couple of couple of little ghosties out and about, but none of them are malevolent, so And it kind of seems like all of them are there by choice. Right? Yeah. It yeah, it sounds like it. Doesn't sound like any of them were trapped there. Yeah, or or like were like so. traumatized by the place or anything. Exactly. So that's why they're known as the friendly ghosts of Bethlehem Hotel or Hotel Bethlehem. Interesting. But I would definitely like to go there. I will say I didn't feel any sort of spooky presence when I was there, but it's possible that Maybe because you were not I just paying. wasn't into Maybe since you weren't a paying overnight guest, the ghosts were like But I have mm. been before. A paying overnight Back oh, you I didn't know. Oh, you slept there before? Yes, but not in room nine thirty two. Okay. Tragic. I will have to. We'll have to go back. We'll have to okay, go back yeah. and stay. In too. I was gonna say. But, I wonder if we just booked it for a random time in the summer. Like, if if nine thirty two would be open. Let's do I bet it. it would be. Yeah. Then so we can hit the casino. <laughs> yeah, you're making me want to go to the casino. Not gonna lie, like. <laughs> Kind of like for which for some reason when we were talking about it, I was like, oh, kind of not a good time for it. I know. No, we'll I have know, a good time. Then, yeah, well, there's so much to do in Bethlehem. There's like, I feel like there's like a. I was obviously looking at the area on Google Maps before, um, the episode, and it's like so. It's like, it's not colonial, but it's like they definitely have like a lot of like old timey buildings old timey i saw something with like a horse-drawn carriage it just looked it looked super fun to be there so i would definitely want to stay it it does look fun or i mean i know that it is fun because i just uh spent the weekend there. i just uh yeah exactly i don't know why i lost my train of thought there funny little story before we end this weekend while we were at the hotel bethlehem i slipped and like fell harder than i've ever slipped and fallen before (gasps) And I think a ghost may have pushed me. Who knows? It's, yeah, because I, you're not clumsy. You would never fall. It no. was one of those I ghosts. Know. One of those ghosts was jealous of you. And she was like, was let me drink the ghost drink. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It was that ghost. It was that ghost. It wasn't the ghosts. It was the alcohol and like, ghost. You teach her a lesson. I was like, no, I promise it wasn't that one. <laughs> Wait, was it I'm really people? not making like a good impression of myself this episode. I'm like, yeah, casino drinking. Yeah, because you're talking about like one singular drink that you had and the fact that there's a casino <laughs> nearby. You're like, I'm so bad. I'm such a degenerate. That's why I Are have you? a haunted podcast. Exactly. I was going to say that's why we're sitting here talking about <laughs> history and ghosts. <laughs> well before i uh what do you call that when you like it's not indicate uh i need some context indict what what do you oh it's like um, when you like yeah before i implicate myself or something implicate that's that's the word i was looking for before i implicate myself any further we should probably sign off because now we've got some research to do about the hope diamond 
I know. I'm really excited about this one. This one's cool because it's not even like necessarily a place that's haunted. It's a thing that's haunted. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm very excited for this. And also, um, just a couple of things before we go. Our new Patreon series is beginning soon. And we have decided that, drumroll please, we will be doing international cryptids and like spooky legends. So chupacabras, Loch Ness Monster, uh, you know, the Black Forest in Germany, maybe. We could do, we could even like re- we could revisit um your favorite Jersey Devil. You know, I would love to do that. Yeah, right? My obsession. Yeah, that's going to be really the, fun. I'm excited. I know, I'm very the excited what? for this too. Um, What are those, what are the little, oh, I said the Wendigo. What are those little like guys in, I think they're in like Massachusetts, the like puck wudgies. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh my God. I see. I'll be honest. I thought that was from Harry Potter, but hold on. Yeah, puck wudgies. I thought it was too, but. But they're actually like a real cryptid. A wild man of the woods that vanishes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, very cool. That's going to be a really fun Patreon episode. And if you join now, you get access to all of our Halloween Horror Nights 32 stuff, all of our uh, horror movie reviews. And also, if you don't feel like donating, if that's not in the cards for you right now, you can help us grow as a podcast by leaving a five-star review anywhere you listen, and it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So, till next time, we're just two ghouls creeping it real. Yes, we are. A goodbye. Bye. Uh, hey. I almost just left this.